All right, welcome everybody back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. This is Derek Bonner, joined once again by Kyle Newbick, this time coming from the wonderful Marriott Hotel. How you doing, Kyle? I don't know if I'd say that wonderful. We've been It's been perfectly fine for the last few days, but <laughs> I know Derek and I are excited to be heading back to Philadelphia soon. That's part of why the two of us are doing this from the hotel. We won't have a live show. Everyone will hear this later. Yep. We will be on the road today. We will be at practice today. We just won't have time to get a live show in between the practice and the time we have to get to the airport. So we are recording this one before practice. Good news. We got some news to discuss, so we don't even really need to talk about what's going to happen in practice. Obviously, if something key happens, specifically with Harden, later today, we will let you know. Uh, check out the PHLY underscore sports, uh, PHLY underscore Sixers Twitter feed. We'll probably send it there. Also, Kyle and I will tweet about it. But I'll probably write some... something in the car while Derek drives us to Denver, <laughs> too. We'll figure something out. We did get some details from Sam Amick and Sham Sharania of The Athletic over what the Clippers are looking to do, uh, including that they offered the Sixers an unprotected first-round pick, a pick swap, and salaries for Harden in July. Notably, Terrence Mann was off the table on that one. Uh, and now that they are looking to basically use pick swaps to acquire another pick to help satisfy the Sixers' desires. I guess, Kyle, what was your overall takeaway from what we learned? Well, so for our audio only people, let's just, I'm going to read the pertinent part word for word. Okay. Uh, this is from Sam and Shams. The Clippers, league sources say, are going to great lengths to make it happen. League sources say the Clippers have been talking to several teams about ways to move pick swaps for additional draft capital with the intention of bolstering their offer and getting a deal done. As you just said, Derek, they, the, the offer was an unprotected first round pick, pick swap and salaries. And then they go on to say that the Sixers have valued fifth year forward Terrence Mann and multiple first round picks in a potential trade with the Clippers. So the broad strokes here, the, the Sixers want multiple picks and Terrence Mann to even consider a Clippers deal. The Clippers' position has been that they're not giving them either of those things up to this point. And now it seems like they're at least trying to meet the, the pick part of the deal, that maybe they're trying to wheel right. and deal as it pertains to the draft assets. But it's not clear that Terrence Mann would be included, even if they could make that happen. And so yeah, I would it sort say of seems like It sort of seems like they're trying to find a compromise here. Like, all right, you want these two things – We'll find a way to give you one. Hopefully that will be enough. And I would say my takeaway hearing that is they still don't seem that serious about making an offer at this point. Is that fair to say? Because I think, look, obviously I think it's reasonable for a team like the Clippers that's already traded away a ton of picks. They have limited assets on that front. For them to say, we'll only go so far on the draft picks. I think that's a reasonable position, even if this is a, a pretty consequential trade for them, if they were to make it. But drawing a line at Terrence Mann continues to make me think, like, these guys don't really feel like they need to get a deal done. Now, maybe that materially changes if they get off to a bad start or they just get spooked at how good some of these other teams look out in the West. But even though this is framing it as there's more urgency and things are happening and there is a material change, it seems like, in what they're doing, I still think that it seems like a way off at this point. Yeah, I, well, I, I think sort of the way I would phrase it is it seems like they are interested in a deal, but they're not pressured to do a deal. 
So like trying to find a way to create more draft capital seems like they do legitimately want James Harden. And there's been a lot of questions like how much do they actually want James Harden? So this yeah. is good news in that regard. <clears throat> but it doesn't seem like they feel pressure and nor should they. There's just not a wide enough market for James Harden. There's still the reports that he really only wants to go to the Clippers. Why would they give up? You know, if they value Terrence Mann, why would they give him up when nobody else is beating the offer? You know, we've heard that before, like the Clippers, I think it was from Woj on ESPN, the Clippers don't feel pressured to give up their best package because they're the only one making an offer. They're the only one with a good offer on the table. This seems like they're looking to basically add the draft capital that they're willing to give up, but they realize they're not under the pressure to fully cave in Daryl Morey's demands. And in order for that to happen, James would have to come back. There'd have to be more teams interested. There'd have to be a bidding war. We're just not at that point. Two days of being a normal franchise doesn't bring us to that point. We'll see. Um, you know, I'm not sure I necessarily like the way that that article was phrased. It almost seemed like the Sixers were on the precipice of a, you know, of, of something happening here. I'm not sure I get that sense, but it does at the very least seem like the Clippers are interested. And I do view that as good news. Yeah. I just like, I hate to kill Terrence Mann because it seems like if a deal is a nice happen, little young role, role he, player, sure. he will, he, he's not even he's really not that young. young. He's like almost he's 27. 27. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. Like, if you're not willing to trade Terrence Mann for James Harden, you're not serious about it, right? Well, he started. We also, we also don't know whether they are willing to. We just know that they're not willing to now when they're not, there's, there's no urgency. Well, up to this point, they have shown sure. no inclination to move him in this deal. And I just think. We can say a ton of things about James Harden. Do you want to pay him long-term? Is he the player he used to be? Can you trust him as a you know, big game player? There are all kinds of issues with him. I can confidently say he is a better basketball player than Terrence Mann, a Agreed. more impactful basketball Agreed. player. And frankly, he's somebody that I think covers or fills holes for the Clippers that need filling more than man does right now, right? Like man is more in that three and D activity energy type of role. Whereas James is the table setter. James will get guys easy shots. And if you trade man, you still have Kawhi and PG on the wings. You have guys like, we'll see what the outgoing package in terms of salary would be guys like Covington and Norm Powell and players like that, that, or Nick Batum on top of that, they're at least like competent switchable defenders. They're not exactly short on those out in LA. So what they would sacrifice in giving up man is not crippling their team. So framing it as, Oh man, that's, that's, that's where we're drawing the line is Terrence man. It's just kind of an absurd premise to me, even as somebody who likes Terrence man. Sure. But again, I, I think like, whether they would actually draw the line or not, it's just you need more teams to join the party in order to really pressure them. I do understand why they would want to have James Harden and Terrence Mann if they think there's a way that they can pull that off, whether that's use Terrence Mann as part of the rotation. Because again, they're going to be uh, you know, pretty short with few ways to add any talent around them. So you don't want to give up a role player, a, a pretty good role player if you don't have to, or whether it's use Terrence Mann in a future trade, I would understand why they their goal is to keep Terrence Mann. Now, is that a true sticking point? Is that a true line in the sand? Who knows? I just don't feel like they feel any pressure right now because there's nobody right now seriously in these conversations and nobody that James Harden will reportedly go to. So, like, why the hell would they? We'll see. I, I, that, and that's part of the reason why I don't think we're close. Like, I feel like they're going to – Yeah. You know, the, the Clippers are going to have to – again, what my major takeaway from this report is that the Clippers' interest is legitimate. 
But now in order for this deal to get done, I feel like you're going to have to have the Clippers feel pressured. And we're not at that point yet, which is why I don't think a deal is close. Well, so here's the other thing I would push back on from the report, from the Clippers perspective. If we're sitting here saying, yeah, the Clippers are essentially offering pick swaps to see if they can change what the draft capital at hand is. This, the Clippers have unprotected first round picks they can trade. This is not yep. a situation where they, they, they have, need they have two, right? To, yes. I don't yeah. remember the years. I want to say it's 29 and I don't remember if it's 27 or 31 or can they trade 31 yet? I don't remember. That's within the, that's new CBA, man. I still got to get used to all the, the various machinations, but every the now and then being, like Kevin Pelton or Bobby Marshall tweets something out. It's like, Oh my God, this is way too complicated. And like, I, I kind of live for this CBA shit and it's, it's going to take me a good amount of time to remember every little caveat. It's incredible. But so anyway, the point is if the Clippers wanted to make this deal and they know that the cost is multiple first round picks, they have the picks to make like saying, sure. Oh, they're trying to tie this another team in and pick up capital or whatever, like, yeah, maybe they don't want to trade all of their own picks, but that is another signal to me that the intent is not there, that it's kind of a, eh, we might do it. And we're, they know that they're bidding against themselves, essentially. Yeah. I, I guess to sort of like wrap this up the way I would phrase it, is there kind of like Daryl Morey in the James Harden negotiations? He wants Daryl Morey back, or he wants Daryl Morey back. He wants James Harden back, but he sort of wants it on his own terms. I think the Clippers probably want James Harden, but they want him on their own terms and they just don't feel compelled to cave right now. Yeah. Which I think is, 20, is sort of understandable. It's 27 and 29 because they owe 2024 to OKC. So right. How do they owe? They owe 2024 and 2025. I guess that, that must be a pick swap situation. So anyway, so 27 and 29 are the Clippers picks that they are able to move. And frankly, I think those are probably more valuable than people would think based oh, on. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, and I mean, especially if they were to trade for James Harden here. Well, let's set this aside for a second. We probably should. Yep, thank we should talk about restoration 360. 100%, especially since they are the reason that we are out here. Uh, One second. Don't have a copy. God, I'm awful. Oh, my God. This guy has one StreamYard <laughs> broadcast and loses his mind. All right. Again, thank you to Restoration360 uh, for sponsoring this trip. When disaster strikes, call the company that cares, Restoration360, your trusted partner in restoration and recovery. No job too big or small. Fire, water, mold, no matter the damage, we're here to make it right. Call Restoration360 today at 215-273-3592 or visit our website at restoration360.com. For more information, Restoration 360. We're here for you every step of the way. Fast, experienced, dependable. Available 24-7 because disasters don't wait. Call now at 215-273-3592 or visit them online at restoration360.com. I guess Restoration 360 is a little bit like a player agent. Like when some shit hits the fan, like they've got to be available 24-7 to try to clean it up. Well, so thank you so much to... Our homies, our friends at Restoration 360 making this trip possible. Big shout out to them. Uh, to stay on where we were at prior to to that segment or that, that read. Where was my brain at on that? Oh, just the, the Clippers in five, six years, I guess. Five, six years. That 2029 first round pick. 
there is a decent chance they are not bad. just bad, but really yeah. bad because we they've should... obviously lever leveraged all these assets mm -hmm. to bring Paul George in in the first place. To bring the in whole reason, creaky players. Yep. Yeah. The whole reason that they're hesitant to give up what they have left for James is that there's a decent chance the bottom could just fall out. I mean, mm -hmm. number one, we don't know if Kawhi and PG are staying after this season yet. I know that there have been reports that there are active extension talks with Paul George, but even if they are able to ink him and Kawhi to deals and they keep those guys, they have historically not been able to stay healthy. It's the whole reason that they have not won at the level that I think people were expecting when they were put together. And then you add James Harden to that. Obviously, he's had the injury issues in recent years. We've expressed all our concerns regarding off-court lifestyle and you know how that catches up to a guy as he gets further into his 30s and what have you. And they might, I mean, they get hardened. I think they'd be a very good team when all those guys are healthy, but they might only have a couple years left before sure. they all just completely fall apart. Uh, so anyway, to stay on the Clippers, it's the dueling incentives, right? Where they know that their window is now. And if the window is now, they probably have to go and go and go and do whatever they can to put a title winner on the floor in the next call it two years, three years. I mean, three years might even be generous based on Kawhi and the descent that he seems to be on every year in terms of his health. But I, that 27, those 27 and 29 picks could be really valuable. So I think that, I guess, is the justification for trying to move pick swaps to get other people's picks because there's probably some fear within the organization that, they don't know how long this is going to last. And as much as they're going to have the new arena and bomber and all kinds of other ways to lure guys, it's still in Los Angeles. They're not the Lakers. Like the Lakers are always going to be the preferred team in LA, even during this time when the Clippers essentially said they were taking over the city and it was their time. I think Patrick Beverly even said it was, his time when he arrived with all these guys in LA or those guys joined him in LA, the Lakers have been the better, more successful team during that time. So I think they are in a really precarious position that maybe people don't think about. So they're not a bad team to potentially do a deal with that involves their outstanding first round picks. I hope you guys can see this on the video later that Derek is was being so arrogant about his setup and, oh, let's come into my room. And he's the one having all the technical problems. Oh, there. I was not being arrogant. This is the first time I've used this <laughs> audio setup. Um, so we are going through some growing pains. It'll be better yeah, next time. You, you do sound better right now. So I, Yeah, I just I unplugged. I, I did the old Windows approach. I unplugged everything and plugged it back in. <laughs> well, why don't you share your thoughts on training camp, Derek, since I wrote an overarching thing to end the week here in Colorado this morning. Yeah, I mean, look, training camp, most of what you hear from the players and coaches is nonsense. I can say that now that we're at the end of it, but like everyone's going to have rose-colored glasses. Every player is going to look great. Every young player is improving. Every superstar is bought in. Ball movement's always better. Intensity is always great. Like every, I've, I've covered, I'm old. We've been over this a lot. I've covered a few of these training camps. It's just the way it goes. I will say, you know, I think when we talk about, and we had some conversation in the um, PHLY Discord about this, uh, go check that out, especially if you are a diehard subscriber. 
Well, it's but, only if you're a diehard, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, the, the wording wasn't perfect there. It's if you're a diehard subscriber. Uh, by the way, sign up. What a website. But, you know, I think there's certainly reason to believe that the ball movement will be better, um, in part because Doc Rivers has always just played a two-man game. That's the way he's always... <laughs> It's the way he's always operated. So I think I think there's some truth to that. All right. Well, let's take a quick break for Derek to fix his microphone, hopefully. And I'm going to tell you guys about our good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Things are heating up in the ballpark. Every team playing to finish the season strong. And obviously, we're all hoping that the, the Phillies finish the season stronger than anybody else. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, you won't miss a moment of the baseball action. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets, betting just $5 on baseball. And all customers can take a crack at a sweet payday with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, string together multiple bets from a single game for your shot at a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code PHLY. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccbg.org. Please pay responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Gold Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age rights by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, cdkng.co slash baseball for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. It's Robot Bodner still there. I think it's my USB cable. I think my USB cable's janky. Yeah, well, you know, what I always say is when you travel on the road and are trying to do a remote broadcast, you could use, you should use an entirely new setup. So we have to do tech support in the middle of a podcast. This is road trip number one. What did look, <laughs> get out of here, Kyle? Have get you never here. done a, a we show didn't, on we, a laptop we didn't know before? We didn't know we were going to be broadcasting from our hotel room when we came out here. I, we well, had it'll be an fixed idea by next that time. one day we would be doing So a, am I sure? Am I still a robot? You don't sound like a robot anymore. This is making for great podcasting right now. I, I will I'm get sure a, the people uh, are going to love this. <laughs> I will get a new USB cable. I'm 99% sure it's a janky USB cable. But anyway. Right. So don't move it. I, I got all kinds of grief from you earlier right. in the week about my cables. and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to touch the desk at all. Good to go. Let's do it. Yeah. So, so anyway, to your point. Yeah. I mean, it's all sunshine and rainbows at training camp. They're not going to say, hey, we hate the new coach and the system right. sucks and it's that hard would be to pick an, up. That would be an interesting way to try to get playing time, a very interesting way. Yeah, but from what little we get to see, which is, again, very little, hope springs eternal in Philadelphia. I honestly think one of the, the fascinating things about Nick's style, stylistic changes is that the fan base is now kind of back in because of all the Doc Rivers slander, it's like, oh, my God, this is the one thing that could bring me back is how much these guys are like, <laughs> man, fuck Doc Rivers and screw yeah. that offense and every everything about him and what he stands for. And that's been kind of an overwhelming sentiment on, on Twitter, somewhat on Instagram and other platforms. And, look, I always sort of thought people would get back to a point where they're at least paying attention to the team. Not yeah. faith, don't have faith in the team. Certainly, it's still that mindset of 
second round or bust. They have to prove it in the playoffs for any of this to matter. But maybe it's because you and I are such, you know, beacons of positivity, Derek, always. that I'll take credit for it. We give, <laughs> we give Restoration 360 credit for Harden coming back, and we give us credit for uplifting the, you know, we've, we've always been the positive guys, always. The spirit of the fan base, yeah. Yep. I mean, Derek, you specifically are like Mr. Positivity always. at all yeah. times. So that's been a a fun little bit of a pivot during this week that I think has happened. It's 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 like the start of a new school year, right? No one really wants to go to school, and then they show up, and it's like, hey, I see my friends. Everything's fresh. Everything's new. And you and I had very different are... school experiences. When summer was I mean, over, I was, I was in a tough yeah. spot. Yeah, but there's still like the oh, I haven't seen such and such in a while. Sure, there's still some of that, and you know when you played sports and things, it's like oh, now fall's coming up or basketball's closer to being here. You played football in high school. I played soccer, so that was like all right. This is like real sports season for me. That was always fun too. Yeah, yeah. I was just always a huge summer guy, so the end of summer has always. I mean, yeah. If I could never go to school and just be learn things by osmosis and then have to do all that that would obviously be the preferable route yeah um but no i think you know harden showing up and being normal is a huge boost to the short-term outlook of the team and again we don't know what that means for tomorrow or next week uh but i think that is good you know i think everybody being healthy quite frankly like that doesn't always happen that's good you know, I think that the conversations around Nick Nurse and the offense, it's good. We'll see whether it plays out in practice, but, it, you know, it's certainly what you want to hear. And I, again, I do think because of the way Doc always ran stuff with the Clippers, even going back to Boston, like he wanted to run that two-man, you know, pick-and-roll game or isolation game as much as he could. He always wanted to lean on his stars in that way, and he had the opportunity to do so for the last year and a half here. I think Nick will be a little more of a ball movement heavy offense. Again, Toronto, if there's any Toronto fans listening, they will push back strongly on that. But I think there's more players here to do so. Not completely because James Harden's going to want to dominate that ball and Joel Embiid's going to have periods where he's going to turn back into the ISO heavy score for sure. Like that's his instinct. But I think all of this is good. And Paul Reed seemed like he was shooting the ball well. Again, I don't believe in that until it's a game, but like I think he was shooting the ball better this week than I've seen him shoot it in the past, even in an open gym. That's good. Show me any game, but it's it's a good sign. In terms of what you could see from this week, I think it's been positive. It's just I'm not sure how much actual meaning to put in any of it. I would say, I think it's fair to say, this is the least we've seen from any training camp since we started covering yeah. the team. Up to this point, we haven't gotten a single minute of actual non-shooting drills. Like real yeah. action. Yeah, I mean, most coaches will... Uh, during training camp, the, during the season, you get nothing. It's all shooting and end of practice, walkthrough nonsense. I honestly don't know why coaches are so secretive about it as if something they're working on in practice, we're going to leak and it's going to have a monumental difference. Well, and also like like the, the freaking other teams haven't seen it all before in the past. Like Nobody actually runs creative new stuff. It's all variations of things they've been seeing for 10 years. Like it, It's all the same. It's same how well nonsense. do you execute it? Yes, yes. Like you and I sit right behind the scout row essentially during games. And those guys are sitting there taking copious notes, diagramming plays. And as I brought up on another show this week, we see the product of that in the Sixers locker room before games, they have the projector up and it's, this is the name of the play. This is who's involved in it. This is where every 
spot you need to get to, the reads you have to make. Like there, there is no mystery no. anymore. And that's why these guys, like when we've talked about why they lost game sevens or why they haven't been able to get to the second round, and these guys always hammer execution, execution, execution. Yeah. It's because that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Like, dude, there's no way to hide from the constant. Like, I have every Sixers game from however many years I've been doing this on DVR. I, I can go back and see every single play. You can go on Synergy and essentially watch every single play in, what, like 15 minutes from a yeah. game? Well, no, I mean, it, 48 minutes, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, even st no, I'm just saying like the amount of time that all the plays would take to like the scoring action, essentially, you could probably do that. In oh, sure. You could cut some of it out. I'm not sure about 15, but certainly half. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so your point is, and you could pull up that game in a matter, like if you want to pull up a game from like 2020, you could pull it up in a matter of 30 I seconds. I mean, even without synergy, I can go and watch every shot attempt basically immediately after game ends on the NBA stats website. There is no hiding what is being run and what's happening anymore. And so I just, it's a shame that I would like to bring, like selfishly, I'd like to see what's happening, obviously, but that's a way for us to bring the fans closer too, right? Yep. Like this is as much about how we can connect them to the game. Like they only see whatever the Sixers decide to put in a sizzle reel on Instagram, which is just not representative of what they do across two or three hours at a practice. Yeah. It's it's to your point, it's all about, you know, execution and adjustments. And that's in-game adjustments. Like it's not like, you know, what the Sixers are implementing now would be such a base offensive and defensive scheme that teams will have that scouted after one game. Like you're not I just unless you're really worried about Portland on opening night, like you're not who cares? Who cares? <laughs> At Portland, you should be able to beat easy anyway. Well, Portland's uh, the home opener. That is not opening night. Oh, year. good point. Good point. Good point. They're going to yeah. get shellacked by the new look Milwaukee Bucks on opening night. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, uh, to, to your point. Little, but anyway, to, we will have a lot more information about this team, about what they're looking to do, even about the starting lineup, which we speculate and we think we might know. We'll have a lot more conf confirmation of that in 48 hours. Sunday night, baby. Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers. The storied rivalry where one team kicks the other's ass for 80% of it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, take a quick break to talk about our friends at game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. I know a lot of people are trying to get their hands on Philly's playoff tickets and certainly Eagles regular season tickets. Any Eagles game right now is a hot ticket. And it shouldn't be that difficult to be able to get them. And game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you for 110% of the difference. And you don't have to plan months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So you could be in the parking lot at a tailgate. You could be on the subway on the way home. If anybody actually uses public transportation in Philadelphia is unclear, even though I, I personally am a big fan. But Well, within the next it, 10 years, they better. Yeah, I sure hope, the Sixers sure hope so. But if you use the game time app, it doesn't matter where you are, how close to the event it is, you can 
guarantee that you're going to get the best tickets at the best possible price. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And I think if you wanted to, Derek, you could use the Game Time app. If you're up in the Boston area, you're a New England area fan of the Sixers, you could use the Game Time app to get in on Sunday's game against Boston, which I think is the next thing you and I wanted to get to today. Yeah. Um, so like we said, we'll learn a lot more about this team when we have a chance to see them in an actual game, even if it is a preseason game. That first one coming up is Boston. It's an interesting matchup because Boston made one or two changes here over the offseason. And we've spoken a lot about, you know, what those changes mean for the Celtics. Um, a lot of that, you know, we say, look, their top six or seven is incredible. Can they stay healthy? Well, they're going to be healthy day one, you assume. Um, and I think they're going to be a real tough matchup for the Sixers. We don't know whether or not James Harden will play. I'm sure that's something that will come up um, after today's well, I was going to say, that's the number one story heading into yeah. the game. It's just and whether he's that up for them. Through the first two games, he hasn't gone through a full scrimmage. If he doesn't scrimmage today, I would assume he's not going to play on Sunday. That's just an assumption. Again, we'll probably find out more about that here in the next two hours or so. Um, so we don't really know which team, uh, this, uh, which version of the Sixers will be going up against Boston. But you know, that would be a tough matchup for them. A very tough matchup for the Sixers, a team that doesn't have a whole lot of wings and whose most of their perimeter offense is through their guards. And Derek White and Drew should just be able to cause them a lot of problems. Well, so I know we've been discussing the Melton starting potential quite a bit leading into here. Let's just say for the sake of argument that Harden plays. I think this is not a matchup where <laughs> Melton starting seems feasible based on how you have to defend as a them. three. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. look, Harden and Maxi against you don't, Drew you don't and, think Harden can defend like Jason Tatum. You don't think that's a matchup. The Sixers want or Jalen Brown. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the whole thing. And then like Tobias will be fine in one of those matchups, even if he's just, being stuck on Porzingis, essentially. He's strong enough that Porzingis is not going to move him basically at all. So you turn him into kind of a stationary shooter, which Boston is probably fine with, quite frankly. But the rest of those matchups are just an absolute nightmare. You get to a, a spot where, all right, if Melton is in the game, who are you sticking him on? Who's the matchup he takes? Is he taking Tatum, I guess? Or Brown, one of those two? I would guess probably Brown because I don't feel like he uses his height as well as Tatum does. Tatum can rise up and shoot over them a little bit better, but they're both tough. So then Harden has to guard one of the other two. Yeah. It, look, it's not great, Kyle. It's not perfect. And then, and I mean, then, th this matchup is a lot like my audio from 20 minutes ago. <laughs> like, you know, it might get the job done, but just barely. I, I don't even know about I don't know if that gets, yeah. I can't and wait then, to listen back to this. Maxi has to guard Drew Holiday and he'll just take him down. Like, do I think posting up Drew Holiday is a great source of offense in a normal setting? No. no. Do I think Drew Holiday posting up Tyrese Maxi is good offense for Boston? Absolutely. And so that's just, you know, you end up in a lot of, you certainly can't put Maxi on Porzingis. <laughs> like, no. that's not going to work. So there's no real place to hide him. In that no, I'm, I am dubious of Porzingis 
replicating his post-up numbers from last year, but if you put Tyrese Maxey on him, he will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if this is a situation where they just stick with the incumbent for this matchup and that lineup. But I guess the other argument would be, or the flip side of that argument is, they're going to face a lot of teams that are just straight up bigger than they are and oh, longer yeah. than they are. And you might as well get a stress test in early, try out Melton with that group and say, you guys are going to have to sink or swim and, and figure out where they go from there. No, I think if Nick's intention is to use the small starting lineup and if James Harden is ready to play, then I think it would make sense to keep the starting lineup um, the way it is in, in terms of Melton and starting lineup, because it is just a preseason game. Nobody truly cares. And like you said, they're going to have to learn whether or not it can work against bigger lineups. It wasn't great last year. Like if we bring up the numbers all the time, I think they were like a plus five in terms of net rating. Whereas which the, is okay, but it's but the one with Tucker great. was like a plus fourteen or something like that. It was much right. better. And historically, Joe lineups have been like plus seventeen to plus twenty two. So yeah, you don't want to, and it's tough because on the one hand, I think there's a lot of reasons you would want Melton in the starting lineup, from forcing turnovers and getting out on the breaks, better spacing better ball handling and being able to attack closeouts to run secondary action. Like there's just a lot more he can do on a basketball court. On the other hand, having only one player above six, four is tough, especially when two of those three <laughs> players on the perimeter are bad defenders and all three of them are bad going through screen. It, it's not great. Like we talk well, about, the they would have two people above six, four. Unfortunately, one of them is a seven foot center. who's not guarding. Oh no, no. I meant play. on the, I meant, I meant on your three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like it's it's we talked all the time last year about like man if if you could just get a switching scheme that's what Harden really excels at and by that I mean his lack of effort going through screens isn't hurting you as much. They're nowhere near being able to switch with this group, no. unless unless you're 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 saying is like maybe just switch because they're all overmatched. But that's not that's not the same as being a switchable lineup. That's just you have three people to exploit. Well, so then we get to the point where let's say they do play the Melton lineup. Mm -hmm. I think we would see the really aggressive defense from essentially possession one, because their only way to try to work around the problem is to blitz and, you know, get the ball out of certain guys' hands and invite them to drive to the basket, essentially. And there's a reason that teams don't blitz on a regular basis, right? It's a hard way to play for 48 minutes. It's a, I wouldn't say a guarantee, but you're much more likely to give up high quality looks as guys are scrambling around the floor. And it necessitates a level of buy-in that even though we've heard how bought in everyone is and how excited they are to play these new styles, it is James Harden. It is somebody like Tobias Harris who he can come and go with his effort. And even PJ Tucker, who's like Mr toughness and defense and all that like we saw in the regular yeah. season let alone the preseason he wasn't exactly flying around like a, a maniac on every single play so you know you'll see some of that certainly I know that Nick wants to see his base philosophies and his like the fundamentals shown of, of what they're going to be but yeah I mean if, if that's how they're going to come out and that's how they're going to play I think there's a a decent chance that Boston comes out and just absolutely carves them up. Yeah. 
And again, it might not matter because I'm not sure either side really cares that much. And they might only play their starters for a couple minutes and yada, yada, yada. We're more looking at this in the sense of a, a matchup throughout the season. Like they will play them four more times in the regular season. If playoffs come around, they have a chance of playing them six or seven more times. This is a, a tough matchup for them. And when you talk about Boston being a tough matchup and Milwaukee just having that that you know two elite superstar talents, maybe that matchup is a little better, but sheer talent level is very high. It's again why I think a lot of people have skepticism. Even if James Harden were to magically come back and and buy in and be in the best shape of his career and looking for that payday, even with all of that going your way, there's still skepticism. Well, do you want before our final few minutes here? Do you want to tell everyone about our our good friends at Foco, the overall, the Phillies yeah, overall? Let, let me touch my uh, touch my computer here and hope that everything doesn't blow up. Foco is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, novelty items, collectibles, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms, and we are now squarely in football and, and MLB postseason season, which means it's time for overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game. Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. Am I still a, am I still a human? You sound okay for now. So let's get Good. these last last minutes in and I mean get I think honestly, I think as as long as I don't touch my laptop, I think we're good. I think we're good. Well, there you go. You've got my crazy looking hair over here. You can tell that it's a morning. <laughs> There's a reason I have a hat on, Kyle. There's a reason uh, I have a hat I on. I do have a hat here. So let's just uh, rectify the situation a little bit. <laughs> um, so I think, I guess, last thing about the Celtics game are there a few rotational battles that you're looking forward to seeing? Sure. Kind of how they I shake mean, out. Does Paul Reed play next to Embiid? Again, I sort of expect it because I think Nick Nurse is going to experiment, and I think he wants Paul Reed on the floor, so this is a way to do it. Um, and no better time to experiment than in the preseason. Uh, where does Kelly Oubre sit? You know, is Nick Nurse going to give him a longer leash because he can get out in transition, because he can force turnovers, because he is big and athletic? And again, when you're the positives we have to list of you are big and athletic. You can tell Kyle and I aren't fully bought in on the Kelly Oubre experience. When you're in your late twenties in those years, right, right. And, you know, just we talked, or I just talked about this with Paul Reed, but does Mobamba show up in a two big lineup? How much does Nick Nurse really embrace it? Do we see lineup? a three big lineup for that? Oh, no, I'm out. I'm out. Nope. <laughs> nope. So I would say if I'm looking at player versus player type stuff, Ubre versus D House is an interesting one for me because they're essentially the only actual wings on the team we'll see what happens with them second half end of the game or back of the rotation type stuff i want to see if Jaden or terquavion smith get any meaningful minutes and you know it's it's like we always say derek everybody's five inches taller and and killing camp there have been some whispers that turk is just uh a fearless kid, and we have certainly yeah, no, seen yeah. that in summer league he, and the amateur level. Six, so. He grew to six six. He now weighs two hundred and ten pounds. He's good. I to was going to say he doesn't to need go. to grow vertically. Yeah. He needs to fill out a little bit. He drinks some protein shakes. So he should have stopped by some of the restaurants we've eaten at this week. Would have helped. Well, he's also one of those guys that 
will pop whenever he has a good run. Like even Jaden playing really well is more of a, a workman like thing where if Turk gets hot, it's like, Oh, he pulled up from 35 and hit an insane three. So there's, you have to keep expectations in check there a bit because he's someone that I think maybe I like or fans might like more than a coach would like. So. Sure. And he's, he's to your point, he's almost like a four, a baseball player where like he can look real good when the competition's down, but you bring up that speed and that size just a little bit and he can get swallowed up and he'll have to learn how to navigate that. And that doesn't mean he can't, but like day one could be tough for a player of his archetype. Well, imagine him getting some minutes off the bench while Boston's top six are playing and he's guarded by Derek White or Drew Holiday. Yeah, no, they'll have him in jail. Yeah, <laughs> that would that would not be good for my guy Turk. So, you know, we'll see what happens with them. The Paul Reed angle, certainly really fascinating to me. I guess we're going to find out at practice today, expectations on minutes for everybody. I think in every sport, basketball included, it's just less and less and less and less for any player that matters these days. They don't treat this as like a real competition, but I would no, say you- this be- because they if you have talk to coaches and coach, executives, they wouldn't mind just getting rid of the preseason. For sure. But because they have a first-year head coach, I wonder if they lean a little harder into, we'll give Joel, Tobias, Tyrese, maybe a few extra minutes than Doc would have last season. Well, and maybe just because that group, at least as of when we're recording this on Friday morning, that group with James hasn't scrimmaged together yet. So maybe they just want to get him the reps too. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So you have a prediction other than pain and suffering on sunday prediction for a preseason game this kind of sounds like yeah, gambling man. like if you gamble on preseason hey man if you do go to DraftKings. Kings. Yeah. yeah but you probably shouldn't gamble on preseason games because it's you know very unpredictable uh no look if both teams try boston's the better team with the better matchup and when you talk about the sixers and having so many new pieces and so many pieces who you don't really know where their effort's going to be uh, i wouldn't if again if this was a regular season game i wouldn't pick the Sixers, but I don't really care too much about that either. I just want to see how everyone looks and really James Harden. Like, I really hope that he's able to scrimmage today and play tomorrow because I want to see, you know, he does look like he's in pretty good shape. He does look like he's so far giving effort. Not again, not that I necessarily think that's for a long-term play with the Sixers, but if he comes out and looks fantastic and alleviates some of those concerns, could that cause the Clippers to try to get this done earlier rather than December, January, or February? That to me is the most, and Maxi. I mean, I just, anytime they're playing basketball, I want to see Maxi. Well, and I will say he's normally a killer preseason guy too, because he doesn't, a lot of the, maybe he's past that point now, but with a lot of the vets kind of dialing it down and not taking it seriously, I don't think Tyrese has the, the switch like that. He just goes full speed ahead. So he had a, I, who did they play? I think it was Brooklyn last preseason. And Tyrese had a game where he scored like 20 or 25 in the span of like 18 minutes or something ridiculous. So yeah, I I would expect if they weren't playing Boston, he'd have a great game, but they are one of the few teams in the league who just a real bad matchup for him. Yep. Yep. So we'll see, but even like little stuff, even like little stuff, like how they, how they, they defend five out with Joe. I mean, this is a team in Boston who, if they're playing their main guys, they can run five out all the time. How does Joe handle that? How do they scheme against that? How do they conserve energy? Is he able to hold up? You know, our last image of, you know, 
Joel Embiid on the perimeter is him getting cooked by Jason Tatum. And a little bit of that was Jason Tatum was just on fire that game. A little bit of that was Joe looked a little bit tired and frustrated. But how does he, how, again, it probably doesn't matter because I'm not sure either team's going to really take this super seriously. But if they do, how does he look in that scheme? So that's part of why I think they should probably stick him on Porzingis and Tobias on Horford. I mean, we've seen them play that style before where, I mean, Horford and Porzingis aren't that different, I would say, but I think Porzingis is more likely to be the constant pop guy, whereas Al is more of the short role playmaker and things of that nature. So, I mean, we'll see, but I, I think Joe, if you put him on Porzingis, Porzingis is not moving him ever. So he no. can hug him tight and you don't really have to worry about anything else. Yeah. You just lose your, your rim protector. But if yeah. you have him guarding Horford on a perimeter with Horford's passing, if he does pull that rim protector out, he can do more than just shoot with it. He can find the cutters. He can find his teammates. Um, it's a tough matchup, man. It's a real tough matchup. Yeah, all of this to say that I don't think they're going to have a good time against the Boston Celtics this year. So hope that they play Milwaukee in the games that no, <laughs> Truthfully, like you get to the playoffs, you hope that Milwaukee knocks them out because Milwaukee's Great, and they have a lot of high-level talent, and I don't know how you stop the Dame uh, Giannis pick-and-roll, but you have ways you can attack them on the other end. This Boston team is a bad matchup on both sides. With the, their perimeter defenders and the way they can spread the floor, It's a and with the way that they have wings who can score, and the Sixers have like a single wing on their roster, it's just a bad matchup all around. Well, Derek, at the very least, the next time people see our faces and you're, hear your robot voice, there will have been actual basketball, actual basketball that was played for us to talk about. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to go home to Philly, see my dog and my wife and all the beautiful people back home in Philadelphia. And, you know, I'll, I'll see you very soon. We're going to walk out our hotel room door and head to practice, the final practice in Colorado. Sounds good. And once again, thank you to uh, Colorado State for being so accommodating and for Restoration 360 for sponsoring the trip. Two big thumbs up from me.